Well, I'm 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 out here uh, uh, in San Francisco. Lovely, lovely San Francisco. You know, as an analyst, I didn't used to come out here very much, but now I get to come out here. And uh, as a native Texan, I still find the weather here very confusing to plan for. I don't I don't understand how it operates or what it does. There's something about layers. I just I don't I don't get it. Whatever, it's fine. I got it sorted. Uh, and it's compoundingly confusing because you know you'll be you, my my whole sartorial situation is just up in the air. You got a, you got like one. You're working at Pivotal, where basically if you wear a hoodie, that's considered dressing really nicely. Uh, and and then two, you're like I've got my own thing. Did I ever tell you once uh, I was worrying about which clothes to take somewhere? And my wife uh, Kim, frequent character in this podcast, uh, said. Uh, Michael, because she doesn't call me Cote, she said, Michael, like, aren't you a big enough deal that you can just dress however you want? Which usually a question that she ends like that actually ends in a period, which is which it's good <laughs> right. that, that she uh, gives me this advice. So I, I have this one license. I mean, if you've ever watched me give a talk, I have this one shirt that it seems like I wear every day. Uh, and so I got that going for me. But then, you know, here you are meeting with these ostensible executives and SVPs of whatnot. And, and it's very like, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's hard because like I'm going to wear, if you remember the recommendation, I had a uh, Patagonia wool sweater, highly recommended. So I got that. And then underneath I'm wearing this like, uh, you know, pickle Rick shirt. And, and I feel like at any given time I'm going to get too hot because this 50-degree weather that I'm reading about in San Francisco is false because surely when you go outside, you're going to get hot. And so I'm stressed out. Like, should I have actually ironed the nice button-up shirt that I brought to wear under the sweater because I want to take the sweater off? And then I brought the overly puffy Patagonia jacket, which I could have worn uh, over the shirt. But then you can't do that because then you're going to take it off and you're like, hey, it's Pickle Rick to like, you know, SVP of whatever. And it's just like the situation is just madness, right? Like I, I don't I, I don't feel like I don't feel like I can just like wear a button up shirt. I just feel like that's not gonna pan out. Like and so right. I don't know. I don't know. This is these are the things that I'm worrying about as I look at But out you know, in the uh, the other day I we of course had the AWS reinvent keynotes. And so I was uh, slacking with some of our fellow listeners. And one of the things we started to comment on that I kind of brought up was this idea of like the tech uniform, right? So we were kind of critiquing um, like di- what people, different people were wearing mm. when they came yeah, up, yeah, yeah. right? And so one of my things, my biggest things is like, you just gotta be who you are. Like, so the things I hate are the executives who are wearing the t-shirts uh, underneath, but then they're wearing a very nice tailored blazer like over the t-shirt uh, yeah. and it's like, that's not them. Like they're not comfortable in that. And of course it's like jeans, right? There's some kind of like nice jeans, you know, designer, whatever. And so it's very obvious. Like when you watch, uh, these guys talk, it's like, it's just not, all, I mean, it, it does. I hate to use the word authentic, right? Cause that sort of sounds stupid, but you just kind of look at them like that is they're just kind of like robotic. Whereas, Jaffe, who was given, you know, he's the, uh, what, the Andy Jaffe there. He's the CEO of AWS. He was kind of, he was just in like a, like a white button down or some kind of just bare, like no, no blazer, kind of frumpy, but it was totally who this guy was. Like he owned that look. I'm not saying it's like super fashionable, but he was who he was, right? And he was yeah, giving this yeah, talk yeah. and he was going through his stuff. And I like appreciated that. I was like, I, he is giving, and then uh, the next day, 
was uh what is it warner the cto he didn't have a jacket like he has like a t-shirt on like this giant t-shirt and kind of like untalked and again like it was great because that's who he is so and then this is what i was saying in that slack about like the executives like if you wear if you're normally aware button down right with a blazer and in like slacks just wear that just yeah. do that right yeah. like to stop you know stop with like wearing the weird you know whatever shirt underneath that like you, clearly you got like 10 minutes ago or like last, last night that doesn't work for you so this is a long way back to like yeah. it doesn't matter about these like these executives yeah, or whatever and, and just the, the, just uh, wear what you need to wear the most comical example of that is when there's the button-up shirt that has a t-shirt pulled over it at the last minute, oh, which, oh which is, well uh, i mean let's not that's even that's that's, that's taking us down into uh some kind of crazy uh so uh, you know as situation. always as always my wife was right so <laughs> <laughs> that should be another podcast <laughs> that's a whole podcast series right there uh, uh, well, you know, so here in uh, in lovely San Francisco, we have the Spring One platform, as I like to say, the most awesome name conference in the tech industry. Uh, you know, I, I recently read, uh, as in 15 minutes ago, the uh, the answers to our survey, and I think the number one thing people wanted after Cos- more Costco was snark. So there's some snark for you. Um, <laughs> the survey results that people wrote in, very encouraging. They're good. They're good. They're, uh, that was nice uh, that people – we got like what? Uh, just under 60 responses? We did. And at some point, uh, I am we are going to like read out some of the comments because I thought they were all mm. fantastic. And they were all much appreciated. So yes. everybody that took time to fill the survey in, there were great comments. So keep it up. Yes. yes. As, as, as Courtney Barnett says – much appreciated are your songs. So that uh, that 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 was good. Uh, so this, uh, as we'll get to in a little bit, this episode uh, it's the last run we have for our Solar Winds sponsorship. They've got the uh, the whole Solar Winds cloud thing. As we'll get into, they bundled up a lot of stuff for you to uh, to do with your monitoring. Good stuff. And uh, you can, if you go try it out by going to, going to SolarWinds.com/sdt, you just sign in, see what's going on. You can get a T-shirt now. Who doesn't like a T-shirt? Just do not. I mean, okay, wait, let me let me change this. If you're going to wear the T-shirt over a button-up shirt, as long as you sign up with that URL, no problem. You'll get a pass. But, you know, you get a, you get one of these nice T-shirts. I haven't actually checked the T-shirts out yet. I guess I should go sign out and uh, sign up and, and get one. But uh, it's definitely something uh, you should look into. And uh, Brandon will come back and tell us more details on that uh, in, in, in a little bit. So... Uh, also, just kind of like clearing out the pantry. I th- is is our listener survey done? Uh, now that we mentioned that, we're done. We All appreciate right. everyone's survey and everybody that did give me an address. And I know some people gave international addresses, which is great. I will find a way to send you some stickers in the coming weeks. It'll be a great Christmas. Brandon, have you heard all. of Stamps dot com? <laughs> and I won't be using stamps.com. The post office is across the street. I'm going to get a bunch of stamps. I'm going to send them to you guys. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are dangerously close to a post office. You know the old Funds Express office right next door to the post office? I think there's a big first data sign there since they bought them, but you can uh, relive some of the glory of, of, of all of us. Uh, yeah, and then also uh, if you're going to KubeCon, uh, which I think is about Kubernetes. I, I don't remember. That was actually the number one thing that thing I think that uh, people wanted us to talk more about. But I think there's a strong footnote to that suggestion, which is more snark, which the listeners were trying to provide. Uh, so if you're at KubeCon and you find no SSHJJ, he has a pile of stickers, I assume, to hand out yeah, to you. Yeah, 
He has a pile of stickers, and he will be working the chef booth. So just go up to the chef booth, say yeah. you're a listener, and you can get a sticker there. And, and of course, you can get lots of good chef stuff, yeah. T-shirts, and you know, take pictures. Be great. I think he is our official uh, software-defined talk ambassador of the week. Not to go all no agenda on you. Don't worry, we're not going to introduce a bunch of executive producers and knights and talk about chemtrails and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, it's, that's nice well, to has, help out. You know, I did tell JJ has uh, he has tough shoes to fill. Uh, Chip was the official ambassador at mm. AWS. I think he gave out uh, one sticker. So oh, very hopefully, good. I'm hoping JJ can. I think he can up the ante. Now you know, I don't know if this is officially true, but I believe that uh, a growth from one to two is a hundred percent growth. Is that, is that right, or is that two hundred percent? I was told there would be no math. Uh, also, uh, our our now on my team and our buddy Tasty Meats Paul will be there. He'll be gallivanting around, hopefully, so you can catch up with him and uh, see what's going on. I have not given him stickers. Maybe I should, but I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to mess up. You know, no SSHJJ's KPIs. Give him some competition. Uh, and also, um, we arranged to do our first uh, live show. You can't actually sign up for it, but you can mark it on your calendars, and we'll get done with this meta crap really quickly. Uh, but it'll be uh, January sixteenth, twenty eighteen. At the Cloud Austin meetup. I think we're going to torment someone else who's coming to speak about something, and then uh, we'll be using the other half of the meetup. So you should plan to come uh, January 16th to the Cloud Austin meetup. It'll be at the Rackspace offices. Lovely place. They're very nice. You can get all the soda fountains you want. I forget if they have the main uh, organic things or they got the straight-up Diet Coke stuff there, but uh, it's a good place. You should check it out. Um, and then, as always, you know, join us in the Software Defined Slack, softwaredefinedtalk.com slash slack. And uh, we'll talk about some other stuff at the end. So here we are. I'm at Spring One. Spring One Platform, most awesome name conference in the world, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, as, you, as one would be expecting, we had, a, we had a few big announcements here. Now, in case you don't know, I work at Pivotal, so I am highly biased. Uh, but we had the official like renaming of the portfolio that we have. And I have put a picture in here so I can remember this. It's going to take me a long time. So you got the Pivotal Cloud Foundry. And then what you normally thought of as Pivotal Cloud Foundry, driven by build packs and doing your 12-factor cloud native stuff, now that's called the uh, Pivotal Application Service, right? So you got that going on. Then, of course, we got the PKS, Pivotal Container Service. And I think I need to like, I'm 95% sure of this. You would think I would know, but I'm very skeptical of uh, truth. I think, our, I think that's now GA'd. You know, so it's it's a like 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 most of the people do. It's sort of like the as they say vanilla version of Kubernetes that will manage for you or our software will manage for you on premise, and then you can also access Google services and things like that. And I don't think it's um it's not com- it's not going to GA until like uh, sometime in 2018. But we also announced the uh, serverless thing we have now. We didn't call it serverless. It's the pivotal functional service uh, or function service. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure it is functional, but it's for functions. And then and then there's a nice architecture we'll put in the show notes. And then there's also uh, sort of a call out to all the integrations that we have. And then uh, apparently, Brandon, uh, we can also uh, work with y'all now. There's some integrations going on. I don't know what an open liberty is. It sounds very freeing, but we've got <laughs> some sort of open liberty thing. And I think... I was talking with uh, um, someone I ran into, uh, an IBMer person, and they were saying that there is, uh, you know, the middleware, there's sort of some sort of bi-directional usage around Spring Boot and things like that. So apparently, uh, you know, we got some working together on that, which I think ultimately is great on both sides, right? In, in the software development world, it's very rare that you use only one thing. 
And uh, especially if you're successful, you got all these different uh, all this different kit, as my friend James Governor used to say, to pull together. So I don't know. Overall, to give the summary, like I said, I'm biased. Uh, but and I'll, we'll have a link, a bunch of links in the show notes. But I think we've got a pretty. This is a pretty solid, as we call it, 2.0 offering. A lot of uh, a lot of stuff wrapped up into there, plus all the great multi cloud stuff from the past, et cetera, et cetera. I like it. So what's the is the the function stuff, how does that stuff pivotal created on its own? Like, what's the story? With yeah, that? yeah. I, th- I, I believe I believe that's uh, built off of uh, Spring stuff. I forget the name of all the Spring projects, but I think it's uh, I think it's Spring based. Now, I could be entirely wrong. As this morning, I had a a uh, this is a little insider stuff that happened. So this morning, you know, you have a conference and you usually have an analyst track if you're a certain size. I would say kind of the size that. That pivotal is you start having analyst days or two thirds of a day, and then you also have these executive days where you have a bunch of you usually call it a CIO summit. You have them coming in, and so we had a mixture of a breakfast thing this morning where we had the analyst and the uh, the executive types together, and I was assigned along with James Governor uh, of Redmonk to sit at the I shit you not digital transformation table. So Whoa. yes, Whoa. yes. So it was actually like it was it was great because I mean it's it's always a good discussion if you have, um, let's say three percent snark and ninety seven percent genuineness where they're like, well, what is digital transformation? It, it it's kind of there was a bunch of customers there. There was me and one other pivotal person, and then James, and then all the rest of them were from uh, large organizations, and it was it was a nice discussion. I didn't really talk that much, but, uh. My whole point in that roundabout thing was that, Brandon, you have asked me something that James Governor figured out this morning when I explained what I do. And he said, all right, so in his fun accent, you work on the developer advocate team, but you neither talk to developers nor advocate for them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, oh, he's, he's discovered you. Incisive. Was there like a joker that jumped out dun, 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 and like no, music played? Yeah, yeah. Actually, awesome. I think I added the quip that I, I don't actually advocate for them as well. But no, that's that's why James and I are good old friends. Uh, but to that point, I th- I'm pretty sure it's all in spring stuff, but maybe it's in other things. But it is it is like, uh, you know, and we had we had Simon Wardley up on stage today talking about uh, talking about uh, uh, all your town planners and whatnots. And I think, I think, you know, the, the framing of like where serverless is going and what you're going to do with it. I think it, uh, yeah. Well, it, it sort I, of I puts, like how, um, I feel like the industry in general and I, cause I think the name functions is being used. Well, I know it's being used by others, you know, place I work, we use it too. And I, it's, it's funny cause I do think in some ways it's like, okay, Everyone's got to clean up this Amazon crazy naming crap, right? It's like, no, 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 it's not serverless. <laughs> because the serverless thing is everyone has to start with the same joke. Well, it turns out serverless actually runs on servers, right? So yeah. just calling them functions. Is there, think, and is, and is, as you pointed out a, earlier, those clowns jump out and they're like, hey, joke time. Yeah, it's just like, okay, we've heard, like, we've all heard that opening of the keynote. So let's just call them functions. And like, yeah, you, yeah they're yeah. event-based. You register a function. We're all and, – and then, of course, like – Everyone like understands that who's been programming for any length of time. It's like, oh, callbacks, got it. Like we don't need to like go through a whole three hours about that. So, uh, so I'm good. I think you know it's it's good sometimes uh, when the industry kind of you know agrees on nomenclature. It's like okay, everyone's going to use uh, you know have their container service. They're going to put a K in it, so we know it's Kubernetes. We're going to have our functions. We got that. So it feels good. I like it. It makes my life easier, and hopefully makes the developer's life easier too. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 then as 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 one can imagine, I spent a lot of my time talking to uh, I don't know, not necessarily technical people, the management and EAs and things like that. And and it is. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's to state the obvious, but there's just this constant refresher. And this is mostly based on the, uh, you know, the sort of like walking through the hallway or range meetings I have with, with people to talk with them. And like, I think I think there's this is what I find myself telling people over and over again is 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 they're basically like, so uh, we're doing the DevOps or the cloud native and it's worked out really well. Uh for a few teams and now we're trying to expand it to the rest of the organization and then like there's those assholes who run the mainframe so like what do you got for me and and like it's like the uh you know show me what you got thing and and so far my only answer is like yeah work is hard <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yep there's really like i don't you know i was talking with someone today who works for, at a at a large bank and they they didn't say the word mainframe. I just kind of like brought the straw man out because usually, if it's a let alone a you know a large enterprise, let alone a you know a bank, it's usually the mainframe people they're complaining about. And uh, I I don't know if this is technically true, but it's a good story. It's kind of like I mean you know they're just programmers. They just like write in all caps instead of like using lowercase characters, and they could write software to change and change their process around. It's not like I mean, maybe if you're like under the gun from aforementioned company you may or may not work for, for like your MIPS that you're paying for that year, there's an issue. But like, it's just software. Like, you can change it. And if they don't want to, then I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> right? Like, like they just don't want to change it. So you you gotta you gotta work around that. Now, I picked on one one thing in particular, right? And you know, insert the. Uh, two to five minute tirade about how mainframes are actually awesome. And if you don't like them, then you just, you know, you should go work, work on putting hats on cats and stuff like that. But it is like, there's a certain sort of like wall you hit with all this digital transformation where, yeah, it's just hard. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the only thing that we in our, uh, our Kubernetes weekly podcast and everything else we cover, like the only thing we have to offer is like, um, we can sort of like clear out a bunch of other bullshit for you so you can deal with the more tedious bullshit. But there's no, uh, as they used to say long ago, there's no silver bullet. Well, but I, I, I'm with you on that. And I think, you know, I was just looking at your, your diagram here and I, I do think, you know, I've seen similar ones, right? Of course. Uh, but the choice is like, I mean, you just walk into a room of people that are sort of like, what, what should we do? And it's just like, well, at this point, right, you've got, three compelling options in IT right now. If you kind of like want to roll your own, build your own containers, want a lot of flexibilities, you're going to start with a container service, right? There are many of them. Here's one from Pivotal. If you, and then somebody always says IoT, and then you just say, okay, we have this functions product, right? We can do this event-driven stuff. You can call back and we can pull in all the data from the sensors if that's what you want. And then someone's like, well, I'm just building a brand new app, right? Well, we have an application service. And it's and it's sort of like that represents, like this is the current state of development, right? Those are your, generally your choices. And then you just have to decide which thing you want, which is the right solution for you. And mm -hmm. I don't know. And, and then it will, you know, of course, over time, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, this, things will get easier. Maybe that Kubernetes 
drops down and even gets simpler, right? That seems to be where we're all going. It's like, okay, you got to know about Kubernetes now, but maybe in a couple of years, we'll have that hidden from you and it'll be real easy. But in the meantime, you know, you've got some options here. So just, you know, let's just work out your, what your problems are and then we'll get you down the right road. And then the mainframe guys, because I always think it's, I don't know, I just, maybe I just don't hear as much about it, but it's like, usually they're fine. Usually they're just like, yeah, we've got these batch processing applications. They're just, they're really important. They have to be up a lot. They've been around for a long time. They're written in COBOL, but we're just taking care of them. And it's like, you know what, guys, keep up the good work. We'll talk later. You know, I mean, there's like not much <laughs> yeah, to say. Yeah. There's just like not a lot. I don't, I don't know. I just, that, that's, I, but that's, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know about everyone's mainframe application, but that's generally what I actually see. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I was telling the, uh, the the bank guy earlier today is like well maybe uh you know i like like so the, my my first instinct is like well you get a siege mentality right like just sort of antagonize them but lazily and just wait it out and uh see see who can last longer but then you know the the there's almost like a uh, what would you call it like a peaceful siege which is what you just said it's just like well i mean seems to be working Talk to you later, <laughs> right? Like, like in, unless there's actually something that needs to change that's not changing that you can prove that, you know, terrible things are happening, like, who cares? Like, just let it uh, let it sit there and do its thing, which is like, I mean, this, this is another angle of conversation I've been having a lot with people, not only here, but, but uh, well, with myself and others is, is that I might have even mentioned it here, but I'm building up this theory uh, of uh, in the digital transformation space where... Um, it's almost like unless you have an external threat that means you as an enterprise, a large organization, needs to change, then don't change. <laughs> right? Like like it's 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 a we it's like a strategy application of if it ain't broke don't fix it. And it's easy to kind of get lost in like, you know, we need to be innovative and like be moving and do all this stuff. But I feel kind of I mean I mean uh as an example and this is a bit of like a little bit of a mind trick, but like Amazon doesn't need to change. Like they seem to be doing just fine, right? Like no one, no one's running around saying Amazon needs to fundamentally change the way they operate and think. Nor does Apple or any any of any of our friend Scott Galloway's four or Fangs or whatever. Like they don't need to change. Now it's 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 one perspective to say that they're constantly changing and evolving, but on the other hand. I don't know. Like, I mean, they're kind of set in their ways of how they go about doing things. They might change businesses they choose to enter, and they might come up with new products and things like that, but their basic operating model is pretty static. And so in that sense, right, like if the issue is that you're at one of these large companies, like I was talking with someone about um, about like um, some consumer packaged goods company, right, and how uh, and how they're just resistant to doing anything different. And it's obvious, right? You, you don't have to uh, be up on your Mary Meeker or your Galloway or whatever just to be like, yeah, I mean, if, if you are in the consumer packaged goods business and you're not like right now shitting your pants and as someone someone had a delightful phrase, I always like the scatological stuff. I said, oh, they must be shitting bricks. And they were like, we've built many houses. So <laughs> like if you like if if you haven't if you haven't that was that was someone else who works in uh, retail I was talking with but uh yeah if you haven't built a lot of houses in that industry then like obviously you need to change but I don't I mean I think banking's an interesting application of that is like banking's kind of okay like they need to evolve and change but they already have that mentality right like I think maybe after government including military 
I think banking usually spends the most money on IT, right? So I don't know. The whole point is that like it's 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 easy to get worked up about the need to change and these fucking mainframe people and all of this stuff, but you do have to kind of step back and be like, well, do we need to change, right? Like uh, I think that's a, a good thing to go in there before you yeah, start trying to I, solve problems that don't exist. And I always think, you know, because you know we're obviously focused day to day on helping people build cloud native applications or talking about it. But, you know, someone else, some tweet I saw and just said, you know, a lot of time and money is wasted building some cloud native application that nobody wants. Right. So to your point about change, it's like, you know, at the bank, right, the ACH clearing platform that's like, yeah, it takes a couple of days, but it's just runs and it's perfect and it's batch. Like, I don't know. Probably not a, like a lot of yeah, compelling yeah. needs to change that. So no, and, 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 and exactly, but there may be somewhere else in your organization right. where it's like, let's go build something, and and really, that's the thing that's more important is figuring, like doing, asking the right totally. questions there. Yeah, and then later on, you can, you know, you can use all the containers or functions or whatever, right? We can get into because we all like technology and we can f- talk about this a lot. But like once we've really isolated on a good problem, you know, yeah. you're going to be much better off than like, well, let's just go fight with the mainframe team because, you know, they're just doing it wrong. Yeah, they're not yeah, doing, they're not yeah. doing DevOps. It's like, and, and, well, and, that doesn't seem like helpful. Yeah. I, I think that opens up a good like thought exercise, right? The, the ACHing, which is sort of like, so you're in banking and, and from a technologist point of view, you might be like, why do I need to run a batch job at night to transfer money? That is ridiculous, right? Like we need to fix that. But in reality, like, well, maybe that's totally fine. Now, on the other hand, if for some reason you have some situation where you need to do money transfers within minutes, right? And you and that's something that's threatening your business or you feel like that's a business you can expand into, then you got to do some COBOL programming, <laughs> right? Like then right, if, if that so. is what you want to do, go fix it. But like, there's no need to just like angst over this stuff, which whatever. I mean, that's what you learn as a uh, – I don't know. I think maybe when you're you're 25 or so, that's the programming lesson you learn is don't over-optimize things. But still, it, it is like – I mean, obviously, both of us, we would love it if you just spend a lot of money on change you don't actually need to do. That's great. <laughs> that's um, right. Yeah, but, but I think I think, I think what's what more of, of the point is like – and this this is also what I was talking with the, the banking person about. And what I try to tell people is like, hey, don't worry, right? Like you can actually – it's not that you're moving slow. It's that you don't need to move fast. And by fast, I mean fix this problem in a month, right? Like you have – you probably have a year or five years before you can like need to worry about being perfect or perfectly done. So you can pace it out. You don't need to like – eat the whole elephant of change all at once. And uh, I don't know. It's just better to uh, to save your efforts on things that matter. So, you know, the more you know, Brandon, shooting star. Like it. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so Brandon, speaking speaking of doing things that are necessary, changing, what's going on over there at SolarWinds? Well, SolarWinds was our great sponsor last week. And they, of course, we talked a lot about app optics, uh, but they did some more stuff. So, Cote, um, this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds Cloud, and as we talked about, they just launched App Optics during the AWS reInvent, and hopefully everyone got the black T-shirt with like the blue on it. It's pretty cool. But in addition to that announcement, they also have uh, new. In addition to the new converged application tracing and infrastructure monitoring platform, which is App Optics, SolarWinds also released significant updates to Paper Trail and Pingdom. 
So I'll make it real simple. Paper trail, if you have logs, you need to like know what's going on in those logs. Paper trail can help you out. And Pingdom, as Cote, this is an area I think you and I share some, some common history. If you need to know if your website is up and running on, on the internets and is doing well, then you need some Pingdom. Uh, mm. Because a website that is down is it, not good. And then if it is down, maybe you would go over to Paper Trail and uh, see what happened. Brandon, Brandon, so, a, a website that is down is a frown. It's a frown. Yes, uh, we added that. We they didn't write the frown thing. So, uh, so together, I want you to know that Paper Trail and Pingdom together they take a big step forward in advancing. Uh, Solvents takes a big step forward in stran- advancing its strategy monitoring across the three pillars of observability on a common SaaS-based platform. So what it comes down to, I want you to go check out AppOptics, make sure the applications are up and you can trace what's happening. If you have logs, I want you to use Paper Trail to see what's going on. And then I want to make sure your website is actually up with Pingdom. So Solwyn's got all of that. So if you didn't go to Las Vegas or you did not get a T-shirt, you can still get one by going to www.solowins.com slash SDT. You can sign up, get a T-shirt, and you can make sure that your uh, websites are up and running. And if they have problems, you'll figure it out. So we thank Solowins and make sure you go sign up. And if you do talk to them, tell them we sent them to you. So and, thanks. And- and uh, as as uh, so, this is like the last one we get. So I mean, if you if you've been waiting, you should go sign up for that, and uh, and and get the shirt there. Take a picture, send it to us. Please wear a shirt and pants. So you know, don't only wear the shirt. Don't want to see that. But uh, yeah, it's it's it it is like uh, you know, it's always nice to know that your website's working. We used to spend a lot of time testing out buying a book. What what do the APM people use nowadays, Brandon? Is it buying a book still, or or what do they? What's the, what's the canonical case? I don't know. It used to be buying a book in e-commerce, but now it's probably just making sure like you have some back-end you know, service, uh, maybe order entry, inventory monitoring is always a popular mm. one. Um, but, but everyone has a website. That's what's good about it today. I think back when we were in it, there weren't like everyone, you know, it's like a lot of brochure where, where websites, there weren't obviously ob- applications that everyone had pretty much everyone has some kind of application on their website. So plenty of things to monitor out there for, for everyone. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I actually wrote the monitoring, I think for SAP systems. So, uh, I hope that oh. worked out for everyone. Oh, <laughs> I hope it's going okay. That may have been back when it was SAP R3. Things have probably changed. Ooh, yes, yes. So, <sighs> what a weird experience. Good times. Good yeah. times. Well, so also, uh, we didn't cover last week. There was uh, apparently a second day at, at reInvent. And unfortunately, we don't have Matt Ray here in case you haven't figured that out uh, to kind of he, he actually goes over the stuff. Well, but I think I think I think I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to discredit your knowledge, Brandon, but he's pretty good at that uh, at that stuff. But I, I think there were there were some interesting things there. There was there was a roundup of of. Um, Small things like their uh, their Cloud Nine IDE. I guess that's an in browser IDE, right? That used to be. That's that's a perennial like. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you, do you think that one's been in in a good way, like put to bed? Like we can do the browser IDE, or do you think that's still up in the air? What do you think the state of that is? Yeah, you know, I, I think this is kind of you know for us, it's almost like the whole PowerPoint versus Google Slides oh. kind of thing. It's. I think an IDE is, you know, if you will, so personal, right? And 
something that developers use so much that it is in this case, while many things can be on the cloud, that it feels like the the idea of like putting like installing some software on your machine, getting it set up the way that you want, making sure the key bindings are the way that you want. Um, I I don't know, just like like PowerPoint, right? The reason that you know I think it's very similar, right? Like once you kind of yeah, get used yeah. to a certain environment, you just it's just easier. And the fact that you are in it a lot, that it's a primary work thing in your life, that you're okay with the fact that like, yeah, I have to have my computer, I download it, I do some updating. Um, and I, I don't know, I, that's just like my feel is that, and, and this is sort of Amazon, I think, taking, and of course, like there are many cloud-based IDEs, so there's nothing necessarily new, but I think this fits obviously Amazon's model. Like everything's in the cloud, right? Even the IDE, and this is the only IDE you're going to use. Um, I just, I'm skeptical, right? I just feel like around the office, you know, I see plenty of, uh, you know, old school, you know, VI, Emacs, you know, this, uh, Microsoft's VS code. And the, I don't know, I see a lot of people like they, they want it, on, they still want it on their machines. So I think this is, yeah. I don't know if, if Amazon here is, is going to make everyone, you know, move up all their code to the, to the cloud. We'll yeah, see. No, that's a good way of thinking about it. I mean, to go on a whole like uh, Horace Deju, Ben Thompson jag here, where like one of their tricks is to pick this one seemingly insignificant feature and talk about how that's going to destroy $30 billion of Microsoft money. Uh, <laughs> essentially. And, and, and it is, no, you hit on a good point of like, so thinking about, let's think, or, or by let's, I mean me, like Google Docs versus Word, right? And then as you say, Google Slides versus PowerPoint. And like, to me, I really like Google Docs. And that's because I feel like when I'm writing in a word processor, like the primary feature that I care about is like easy collaboration, which might be shocking for people to hear me say, but it's easy like reviewing and like adding comments to people, both getting it from other people and also like uh, giving it to people as Tasty Meets Paul now knows. Uh, and so like doing that in Word has always been, um, it's, it's like, it's like how like a 1400s monarchy must be to like a modern American or European democracy. You're just like there in the 1400s and things are terrible and you're just barely subsisting, but you like have no idea that there's a better way of doing things. And I feel like if, if you've been stuck with word, like on, on premise, as it were in the early 2000s, like, of course you're going to do your review changes and email it around, but then you go use Google docs and you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. So that's like it's like that one feature that makes me really like Google Docs. And there's an additional thing that's kind of like I like the straitjacketness of Google Docs where like it's hidden. It's very well hidden how people can be artful with how they style it, right? Like it's actually very difficult to kind of like screw it up in the way that you can word. There's not templates that are so easy to find. So on the other hand, as you say, it's just like don't fucking touch my PowerPoint, <laughs> right? Like – I, I, I realize that, that like Google Slides would be better for like collaborating and maybe even like copying slides around, but it's just like, man, I cannot get into that. Cause like, it's just, I got that, uh, fits like a glove thing with PowerPoint. So it is, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't never thought of it, but I think IDEs are probably like that, right? It's very, very cultish. So as an experiment, I bet if I ever got around to uh, coding again, which probably never happened, 
like I could probably fit into doing things in a cloud-based IDE pretty well because I have no preconceived notions anymore. Right, you've been I don't away have any from hangups. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I think gets to the interesting part of this. In you know, what's the motivation around this? And you know, some of the numbers it was like I think there were they said something like sixty thousand people were on the live stream. I don't know if it's that high. Maybe it wasn't that high. I can't. But there was forty. I think it was forty thousand people at at the show and like 60,000. But anyway, the, the numbers are so relevant to there's a critical mass Amazon is clearly hitting. Right. And so when, and I saw this at uh, sun when I was there as well, like when you get to a point that you are really setting the agenda with developers, when you're getting so many people to come to your shows, Microsoft's had this position for a long time that the, inclination is to then lean into that by like building every single tool that they need and the reason is if even if you and i were sort of out of the game but you know maybe even if we were they're they're not necessarily as worried about us as they're worried for the next generation it's like they want the guy that's coming out of college or starting to program in college to just start using the, this IDE, right? Because it creates a real natural affinity uh, for that service. Like you could go back in time and you remember Power Builder and Visual Basic and like Visual Studio. And these are all like tools of the 90s, right? That people really got attached to. And, and once you kind of, what, in some cases, like people get to the point where like the tools define the job versus the job, you know, you pick the tools. It's just like, no, no, this is what I do. This is all I need. So it's interesting that I think that they're at that point, that inflection point where they think they have enough, you know, power in the industry and to really power this next set of developers that are going to come up through college. Right. And they clearly want them to use these tools. Now would be another way for them to tie them in. Um, so I'll be interested. I'm just interested to see what it happens because I think Sun tried to do that. I mean, there's things like NetBeans and like other tools that, that yeah. maybe had like a little bit of uptick, but they never had like the massive adoption. So we'll see what happens here. Man, it's funny you say that. Someone, uh, someone uh, made a NetBeans joke earlier today. Someone was talking about various IDEs, and uh, they were like, what about NetBeans? I mean, obviously in a uh, jesting way. Well, maybe not obviously, sadly, in a jesting way. But yeah, good old NetBeans. Didn't that – that got given to Apache? Is that right? Oracle dumped them off into the ASF or something? I forget. I don't know. It sounds right. <laughs> just, yeah. just saying that. Like Oracle dumped that off. Yeah, that sounds right, but I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. <sighs> Poor son. So many great technologies, Brandon. So many great things. What are you going to do? Maybe one day write a book about it. Circle of life, my friend. Circle I, of life. I pa- on the way to the airport, I passed by my uh, my retirement planning billboard. The uh, current results or current payout for the Texas lottery. It was up to like $170 million. I think I think that would be good. I, of course, did not buy a ticket. So uh, won't be retiring this week. Maybe next so, week. Kote, maybe you could give me a little parenting advice. Like my son, seven years old, he understands the lottery, likes numbers and oh, stuff. No. And so he... Uh, you know, so like he, he wants to buy lottery tickets sometimes. Like sometimes we're at the grocery store and we'll see it up and he'll be like, if it's like over a hundred million or something, be like, dad, dad, we got to get a ticket. And I was like, so I, I try to use it as an opportunity. Like sometimes we do and like teach about probabilities and, and stuff like that. But I, I don't know. He does seem to understand the basic math, but uh, at the same time, I'm like, I think this is probably bad. I probably should like just be telling him like, no, 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 you never buy these tickets. It's stupid. Um, but I keep doing it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm torn as a parent there. Mm, yeah. You know, I, I, uh, as a, as, as with my digital transformation advice, uh, Brandon, I have a lot of words, but nothing useful. 
so, <laughs> all right. I think we'll I, there. you know, I, I, and this is this is the abstract problem I've I've noticed with kids is I don't know which age it's at, but they don't learn about losing money very effectively, or maybe it's just because I don't want to be that brutal, right? Like, so for example, uh, currently. With maybe one exception ever, the policy is there are no in-app purchases, right? Like because, as we will tell my son Cormac, that is a ripoff, right? Like you don't want to buy coins to like do whatever. Like you'll be fine. You don't need to do that. And and I feel like, you know, my son has various ways that he earns money. And like I could let him like blow his $50 on buying some coins so he can build like a pterodactyl something, but I don't know if that would make him learn the lesson, <laughs> right? And similarly, like, like it's kind of like, let's use one of our favorites, Buddy Bucks, right? So Buddy Bucks kind of teaches you. Um, there's probably some name for this, but it teaches you that uh, it's not Pavlov, but it's like you humans and other animals are very susceptible to random reward systems, and so they always want to use Buddy Bucks. And both of my kids have finally learned that even if you get 50 points, that's fucking bullshit. The only thing that matters with Buddy Bucks is instant prize. Nothing else matters. Instant winner, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything else, like, I mean, I'll even get excited. I'll be like, 50 points. Wow. Like, I, I sound like Buddy myself. But, like, you know, so every now and then you get an instant prize and it wins. And I feel like the lottery, if you tried to, te- if you tried to do the old thing of, like, hey, if you want to smoke, I'm going to make you smoke a whole pack of cigarettes. The problem is with the lottery, at some point, he'd win $5 and then you'd be fucked. Right. Like it's just yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, well, I think I, you're I think it's interesting. One, we should say H-E-B, uh, when we say buddy box for everyone, that means for those non-Texas, H-E-B is the grocery store. And that's what listen, listen. kids kids can go up and, uh, you know, play the little uh, I guess if, it's like if, a slot machine. If, if you, the listener, are going to be coming to Austin <laughs> and you want to do something with me, I will take you on a tour of H-E-B. Everyone right. should know about H-E-B. No, yeah. no, no that's the other thing everyone needs to know is like there are other grocery stores in uh, the state of Texas and in Austin, but everybody here is pretty fanatical about HEB. Yeah, yeah. So don't, no, no, you know. I, uh, I, I don't know. I choose to believe there are no, uh, no other grocery stores except Whole Foods. <laughs> See, I think my point is made. My point, <laughs> my point is made. Um, no, I think you're right, though. So I don't know. I will say on the app purchases. So I have let my son buy we bought some stuff in app kind of as a test to show it that it wasn't really that good a value and i think mm. he kind of got that yeah. but i have let him buy some minecraft worlds okay yeah, actually, yeah. No, that they're pretty sense. good like that's actually you get a minecraft where i'm like this put those, those some are, effort i don't know what the word is but those are durable so that is that is maybe i think there's two things we've let him buy and one of them was a minecraft pack and that so that is good but it's just the the coins or something i mean whatever yeah, yeah. the rip off those yeah, are just yeah, rip off yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, before we wrap up, there's there's a few this week in Kubernetes things. One, you know, we GA'd here at Pivotal, the, uh, the Pivotal uh, Container Service, PKS. And there's a um, – by uh, George Leopold over at uh, – you know, I get him and TP, TP uh, uh, Timothy Prickett Morgan's uh, thing. It's Enterprise Tech mixed up, not Next Platform. Uh, but he had, a, he had a good piece about um, – sort of momentum around Kubernetes. And I think I think this is this is a good time, especially since there's KubeCon starting tomorrow as we record and stuff. This is at the end of the year, I think uh we can have any as, as many nails in the coffin. Is there a positive version of that analogy, Brandon? Nails in the coffin? Um put it to bed. Put it to bed. Put it to bed. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, 
nails in the coffin. I, I think, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think it's this is a good time in the tech news cycle to put more nails in the coffin of Kubernetes has uh, has won, and uh, he's got a good piece. Now I mentioned that this hasn't been published yet, but sometime soon, hopefully this week, they'll finally publish my piece where I, I uh, wrote about what what is Google's angle on this uh, and the momentum. So so that's good. And then also uh, in the show notes. Um, if you don't follow the uh, the cloud opinion person, just look that up on Twitter. Was it ever revealed who that was, Brandon? I remember there was some uh, some talk about that, but but what, did that happen? Mm, I don't know. I am not sure. I, that's one of those things. I mean, here I am admitting on a podcast. Like I keep wanting to ask people, but I'm embarrassed that I don't know yet. So maybe I'll find out. You should come into our Slack channel and tell me. That would be great. Anyways, he had a good write-up about uh, about um, a la- EKS, Amazon's uh, Kubernetes service. And uh, in summary, it's a trap. But I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I mean, it, like with a lot of, I think, I think, I think that that person's position, other than being snarky on commentary, is trying to take uh, kind of an, an extreme but believable case on things. And and there is, I mean, that is uh, what he's trying. What, I don't know if it's a he or she. What they're trying to outline is the worst case scenario of lock in, where you end up using some service, and then and then the other the, the person you're using it from slowly ends ends of life it and moves you on to something that's more uh, locked in. Which you know, when we discussed it last week, there is, I think, there's a pretty good debate, and you alluded to this earlier, to have around Kubernetes and Kubernetes service things where. Uh, like, so why would I want to run my own cluster if I have all this other <laughs> stuff? And, you know, there, there are snarky answers to use that word a fifth time of because, because I enjoy building my own things, which is good. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is a good question to start wondering like why you would want to, uh, build your own stuff if there's all these other things out there, whether it's your, uh, what's it called? Fargate? Fargo mandate. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. whatever it is. Or- well, I think this is just where I think as technologists, I, I think I mentioned this book a while back, was like the hit makers. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole idea about, you know, where hits come from and things like that. And I think, you know, we just, like we go back, go back to our sun analogy. There was a point where like Java was just like this new programming language and like, I don't know, kind of the time it was like, why do we need a new, new programming language? We have yeah. small talk. And, but there's just these moments, right? There's these moments uh, where the industry, where people come together, and it's not always explainable. It's just like a hit song. Like some songs become big hits, other songs that are equally good don't, right? For whatever reason, and and I think you know where we are today with Kubernetes. It's like Kubernetes is is the hit. It is sort of new and different, but not so different that we're not you know confused by it. And of course, there's just a lot of what I like to think of as like aspiration in Kubernetes, like what it is today and what it will be in five years will be very different, right? It'll be, it'll have a lot more stuff mm. and it'll be a lot easier and maybe it will, it will just disappear, right? It sort of will become this underlying infrastructure. We don't talk about much more like you don't talk about the JVM, right? No one's like, Oh man, I just wrote a new version of the JVM. It's killing it. Right. You know, just, it's just there, right? It just, it's something we've established. So, um, and again, like, you know, people always be like, well, there was something better. We could have had it, but I don't know. Like the the industry and the time is right. And Kubernetes for the moment looks like it's going to be around this foundational thing. And well, I should just get comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that's, that's fair. You got, you got to, you got to sort through if, it, if it's uh, neat or not. That and other bromides will be available <laughs> in this podcast 
all week. Well, <laughs> let, let, let me just let me just add one thing, uh, just to just to make sure we have have enough for the listeners here. You know, there's another conversation I was having to kind of empty my notebook, as it were, about. Um, I've, I've I, tell me if you have if this comes up, Brandon. So you know, I uh, I'll go hang out with my uh, my enterprise cool cool kid and cool mature adult friends. And, uh, you know, I, I have I have a whole separate sort of conversation with them. They listen to all of our babbling and stuff like that. And I'll say, like, oh, I was at the uh, the analyst day. And they're like, really? And and, and they, they ask a long series of questions. But what they're really asking is why? Uh, you know, they're basically asking, like, you know, what, what, what do analysts do? And, and, like, how do they fit into all of this? And some of them, uh, some of the more advanced ones, uh, have, have spoken with analysts before. And typically, they don't find it a very valuable experience <laughs> for for their side of the table. Um, and and I think I mean to be a bit of an apologist, as I often am for analysts. I think directly to the point you're making about fashions, right? A lot of what an analyst job is is to uh, call the shots when something's fashionable and not. And so, what they're interested in is not always. I know this sounds redonkulous, if that's still a word is like not if something is actually a good idea or works, but if it has like momentum and why people are choosing one of those things over the other. And so therefore, like a lot of the questions in the analyst day or for this this position as a enterprise technologist, those people I was mentioning, a distressing sort of thing is a lot of what the analyst ask is, uh, so why would you choose to use Pivotal versus the competition and then basically, like, so do you care about Kubernetes, right? They have these very, like, um, bake-off-y kind of seemingly basic questions, right? And all they're trying to figure out is, like, is this thing currently fashionable? Like, has it reached the tipping point of doing things? And it can seem sort of like it's almost this, like, conceptual mismatch, as, I, as I'm fond of commenting about, like, what an analyst's job is. And at its core... An analyst job, as as is right in the title, an industry analyst is to tell you, like, here's what's going on in the industry. So that's kind of like always their first question. Like, they just want to know, like, if you're choosing this thing and why. And I don't know, I guess for a lot of people, they want more of like, they want like, if if O'Reilly had uh, industry analysts, they want like an O'Reilly industry analyst who would like tell them how to do things and talk to them about how to's and stuff like that. But I don't know. That's not really what uh, most analysts do, and I, and I think I think I think what's what's sort of instructive and interesting is you know you'll find an analyst every now and then who will tell you more of the lay of the land and how people are going about doing stuff. But really, if you ever encounter an industry analyst in the wild, what they're interested in is just like momentum around stuff, like what works and doesn't work, and why did you choose this one thing over the other. And then, and then the other thing, like uh, we did, there was a customer panel there, and and they were doing a valiant job at customer paneling, and um, it is like I've noticed that when over the years, not just today or yesterday, but over the years, whenever an analyst asks a customer why they selected the vendor that currently flew them out to be at this conference and be on this panel, the customers always give a very unsatisfying answer. <laughs> right? Like, it's very rare that they actually give the tasty answer that you would want. Like, we looked at these three other things, and this one fell down on this one. Or it could be the answer of like, I don't know, my CIO told me, so we're using it. And uh, I would just encourage those customers who are out there, just tell them why you picked it. Like, and if there is no reason, that's fine, too. But like, 
just give them an answer that is sort of explaining why you picked one thing over the other. And I think that will, uh, I, and I say that because I feel like maybe the people answering the question don't really understand what the analyst is looking for, but they're looking for literally, like if you provided them that slide that was your bake off matrix slide of all your red, yellow, and green things that would, they would build a house of, of shit brick excitement out of it. So, uh, that's something you can do if you're ever. Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely, you know, being on a customer panel as a customer, you know, you have to, it's definitely a little bit of work in figuring out what you want to get out of it. Cause I think the analyst, what I think is good when analyst does this, like you really want to know, you have to wait to the the break or the happy hour and then just go over to the customer and talk one-on-one. Right. And he'll tell you, he can tell you anything and be like, I don't know. My boss made me buy it. The, The reps that came out were really fun. The technology was really good. The thing that we tried, the use, the proof of concept went well. It's just I think most people, most customers who are on a panel, are sort of you know they've been scared off by like some boogeyman. Like yeah, if we yeah. say if we say what we're really thinking, I'm gonna get in trouble. Either the vendor I'm here with today is gonna be mad at me, or my company's gonna be mad at me, or whatever, or I'm gonna look bad. You know, so it's just a difficult uh, like panel situation right the best i think what you want to get out of panels is someone to tell you an, an interesting story right yep, that's yep. what usually is what you want so i always say like that's why i tell anyone to be on a panel like get up there just tell your story tell the story and make it fun and even if it's you know if you think it's kind of boring it probably isn't like everyone will be excited to hear about how a tractor company has like these crazy problems that we never heard of and it they built something to fix it and then afterwards you know, the analyst, you can go over there and just talk to the one-on-one, tell them whatever you want, right? Just yeah, yeah. No, and, that, that, and make that it is, simple. That, that is good to, like, figure out what the transaction is, right? And uh, if the transaction is that you did some deal where you're going to say good stuff so that you got some sort of discount or whatever, then sure, just don't be interesting. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, if you've been forced into it, just, yeah, just but but, but on the other <laughs> hand, if you've got some, uh, some timidness, like – this is not across the board universal, but pretty much every good tech company, they actually want the customers to be completely honest, right? Like they, they're, and, and again, that's not universally true, but whatever. If, if, if the vendor you're working with doesn't want you to be honest, then make sure you're getting a discount to just like waffle about it. But generally, they just want you to be like normal and, and just be completely honest about it because part of what, and, and and part of what any tech business uh, is doing that's kind of operating in the space we're doing is part of your mission with analysts is it's kind of like we were talking about with the dress, right? Like it's this this uh, it's this verbal version of dressing and being genuine is the more genuineness that you as a tech vendor put in front of an analyst, the more they're going to trust you and the more one, you're going to win over their favor, which is always great. But what you really want with an analyst if you have a good product, if you have a shit product, then you got to be conniving and, you know, do all sorts of stuff like that. But if you have a good product, you just want to have the analyst give you the benefit of the doubt. And I think the fastest way to do that with analysts is to have a customer there who's just like, I'll tell you anything. I don't fucking care. Give me the mic. That's right. Right. And so, like, I would just encourage you. You should do that unless you're trying to get, like, a good discount or something. Yeah. So. And that's what I think we should tell the the customers and people giving is, like, they actually – the vendor actually wants you to say stuff like, you know, this was pretty hard, but we did this because that's what makes it sound – 
you know, reason, that's what reasonable, authentic, whatever else, because everybody knows if you're up there and you're just like, man, it was so perfect. It was like a one click install, 5,000 servers got updated and everybody like required no training. Like no one buys that. If you tell yeah. the story, like, you know, it was pretty hard. Actually, the rollout took a couple of weeks. We had to plan for it. But, you know, and at the end you get through it and it's like, that's very, everybody in the room is going to be nodding their head. Like, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. how it, yeah. And they're going to, you know, and just the fact that you succeeded is what's going to make it feel possible to them. So that's what that, that's all anybody wants. No one really wants to hear like I lost 50 pounds overnight, you know what I mean? Like nobody thinks that's reasonable. If you came in and said, you know, I worked out and I ate better and I really spent 90 days doing this and I saw some big results, you'd be like, yeah, okay, I get it, you know? Yeah. I mean, that I feel like that's reasonable to hear. Yeah, and to make a highly qualified statement if you pay attention. I guarantee you that if it's sort of like a vendor that it's worth being paid to go back to one of their conferences, they'll invite you back, right? Like, <laughs> like they, they will, uh, they'll cherish that. So anyways, uh, what do you got to recommend this week, Brandon? Um, well, I guess it's kind of on our, our gambling theme here is there's a new app. It's called this HQ trivia app. It's only on, um, uh, iPhone or iOS right now. So sorry, Android people. The way it works is every day, uh, here at U.S. time, U.S. Central time, 2 o'clock uh, p.m. and 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, U.S. Central time. And I they play uh, a 12-question trivia game. So you get on there with like uh, several hundred thousand people and you play for money. So if you get on there and it's like they ask questions and then just, you know, all kinds of different trivia questions. And, you know, if you, if you miss one, you get eliminated. So it's really fun to watch. Like, you know, you start with, I think I started – with maybe 300,000 people. And then, you know, as, as the questions go down, um, and then the total prize was a thousand dollars. So like whoever makes all 12 questions, um, you know, you'll get some piece of that prize. So it's very interesting to see what questions they ask and then uh, to see people drop out, like see these masks, you know, and you'll see some questions like kind of everyone gets right. And then there's these, these harder questions where like, you know, 50, 25, 50, 60,000 people will drop out. So it takes about, I would say 10 minutes, you know, to play. And the host is just—I don't know—he's just crazy. He like he's a, a former stand-up. I guess he is a stand-up uh, comedian, and he hosts it. And he's always asking the questions. So I think it's just a really interesting use of technology. It's just—it's it, just a fun thing you can do. Waste ten minutes, test the trivia, uh, and I guess if you're lucky enough or smart enough, you can win some money. And it's done by these are the guys or some of the guys behind Vine. Remember the Twitter thing? You mm. can like post short videos. So these guys, I just think, are dialed into like just uh, human behavior. They seem to just like find things that like lots of people are drawn to. I don't know if that's going to make them a successful business in any way, but it's it's just interesting. So if you want to waste uh, ten minutes playing uh, trivia at two o'clock or eight o'clock uh, Central Time, download the HQ Trivia app. Yeah, you know, this this reminds me of one thing and then connects to what I was going to say originally. Now, to clarify, I wasn't last episode sort of saying like hiking is bad. I was more saying like I don't I don't uh not because I think it's bad, I just don't understand the huge affinity people have towards it. Like the experience that I get about about hiking in the outdoors and camping, it doesn't seem to be as instant. So, I'm fully and I ask that because I would like to enjoy it and have a good experience, but I don't I don't like get it quite yet. But I think we diagnosed that. Really what I don't like is just having to deal with madness uh constantly. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh anyways, but but that that's another area that I don't get is like uh like like games. 
<laughs> or 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 like like sort of like like closed system games of like tri- trivia is kind of fun, but it's just you know here this is going to sound really arrogant, but every time I play trivia, which is always with friends, is is I, I I'm in that em- embarrassing situation where like my family and extended family like just jokes about me about being really smart, and I just want to be like oh, I don't I don't want to hear that right. This is. And so it's just like, and then they, it's high expectations that I'm going to know all this trivia stuff. And then you always end up on, is it green as sports? You always end up on, on the green thing. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Expos. Is that the answer? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) 76 Expos. (laughs) No, no, it's not the answer. (laughs) That's what, that's what I'm going to start answering for every sports trivia question. Washington senators. But, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, but you know, like like I'm really into Dungeons and Dragons and I never understood the whole card game phenomena. Like that just seems so restricting. Like you just are do anyways. So games, that's also kind of flummoxing uh, of a position. So, my recommendation this week is uh so I've been going on a a bit of a a, a selective uh Kara Swisher binging thing. Like I don't really want to hear interviewing some rando startup who is like doing some sort of trivia app that you might get involved in. <laughs> Uh, but you know, she's, she has been talking with a lot of like media people recently and things like that and, and, uh, historic stuff. So, um, and, and as always, uh, while I loathe the, uh, the person you're interviewing just happens to have released a book and be on a PR tour, uh, uh, format of of things. She, she had an interview with Tina Brown recently who, uh, you know, big big time magazine editor of all sorts of stuff and apparently she's came out with this book the vanity fair diary where i forget the years but it's basically the 80s where she kept a pretty good diary apparently of uh just her experience becoming being recruited for and then becoming the editor of vanity fair and how she turned that magazine around and uh taking a tip from uh brandon's book i was thinking like uh, so this is a diary, sort of like a stream of consciousness thing. And also it's like 500 pages, which I'm never going to read. So I only bought the audible version. And sure enough, it's like the perfect format for an audible thing. You can just sort of like put it on and listen to it and you can, can fade in and fade out. And it's, uh, not only that, it's not only functional, but the content is really good just to hear her, uh, her, I think the word one would have used back then would be brassy, her, her brassy opinion on stuff. And, uh, she's, she's got to have it be, being English. She's got an interesting opinion on American stuff, and I don't know. It's worthwhile uh, listening to. It's fun to see how things were back then, and and also the kind of um, pure management and strategy perspective uh, that she takes on things. Like, like, and I'll give you an example. One of the things that is is interesting to pick up on, which of course it makes sense after you hear it, is like as an editor of a magazine, every month you're basically obsessed with like getting a really good cover (laughs) and getting good stories and getting good ways of like moving the magazine. So you're constantly searching for like, what is sensational is not exactly the right word, but what is a sensational, but also good story that we could get in here? And how do I commission that and line people up to do it? And all right, it's it's a good view into that, uh, that side of the world. So check that out. Tina Brown's Vanity Fair diary. So as always, this has been uh, software defined talk. Since this is episode 114, last I checked, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 114 to get the full show notes, links to things we mentioned. You should come see us do our uh, our live recording January 16th here in Austin. 
Uh, and thanks to our sponsor, Solar Winds. If you want to get a sh- shirt from them, you sign up, test out, check out their service, totally free. Uh, and you just go to solarwinds.com slash SCT. Now, they'll probably run it for a little bit more, but this is the last time we'll have an ad for them. So you should, if you've been waiting, you should just go do it, sign up for it, check it out. And, uh, you know, join us in Slack. Go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash Slack. You can uh, answer uh, if someone's revealed who Cloud Opinion is not, so I don't embarrass myself by asking people in Meet World what, what the answer should be. If you're at KubeCon, go find uh, no SSHJJ. He'll give you a sticker. Or you find Tasty, uh, Tasty Meets Paul. Probably won't give you a sticker, but you should say hello to him. And uh, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. That's why you party? Boy, you really are 17. Why do you party? To get riggedy, riggedy, wrecked, son!